Well, I'm recording just like Nixon. I actually record all my conversations, <laughs> so just so you can keep it. Well, you can keep me straight. And say that that's not what I said. Or I can keep it for the archives. Um, yeah. Are you still able to take things yeah, out? Because yeah. that's yeah, very yeah. important. Uh, yeah. Because I'm to cut things out? Yeah. Because <laughs> I have, a lot, have, of, I have a lot of slurs. I have a lot of slurs planned for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you've been hit you've been hitting the uh, the corn seed whiskey. You've been hitting the <laughs> yeah. and I've been thinking of moonshine. all kinds of all kinds of offensive names for coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, since it came from Europe, you're just getting like your all the European slang, like you yeah. German hillbilly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's I believe that's a Czechoslovakian as a German hillbilly. Yeah. Well, too soon. Or just a Bavarian. You know, an an Ausfriesland, I think it is, or Ostfriesland. That's the German hillbillies I remember from back when I studied uh, German. <clears throat> oh, this is awesome! The the Peer-reviewed journal article about Josh is titled "The Gambler." Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm going to figure out some way to cite this in a paper, even if it has nothing to do with anything that I write about. That's great. I just had um, my first single-authored uh, peer-reviewed journal article finally accepted after two rounds of review, three rounds of review, and rewrite. Jesus Christ! And what's it about? It's just it's stuff from my dissertation, so stuff that you've read, just kind of t- more targeted about, more targeted, specific, and like refined down. But it's just like you know, you go through these people who you, you in theory don't know, um, critiquing it, and they all, you know, I don't mind being critiqued. It's it's a good it's a good thing, but it's like sometimes it's like, well, what are you talking about? Like, what are you reading? Yeah, yeah. doesn't make any sense. Which doesn't make any sense. Like I, I don't know. They just want they want different things, and everyone has a different discipline and all that. <clears throat> so it's very strange. Oh yeah, I just like that. Somehow I have to figure out how to get like our our music and stuff on here. But I'll figure it out. I just want to see kind of how this is. And if it gives it to me as a wave file, I can just drop the whole wave file in GarageBand. Yeah. So of course I can edit it. Try it. Okay. Yeah. Try it. it. What have you got to lose? Yeah. Seven an hour of your day. Can you hear that? Yes. Yeah. Are you suddenly in a Miyazaki movie? Oh no, there's a, <laughs> a chance intro music. <laughs> oh man, guys, have you heard uh, this coronavirus, or as I like to call it? Do you have a slur for coronavirus? No, I'm not. I'm not going to go. I'm not going there. Um, we call it the Newcastle flu. <laughs> I call it this this stuff that we're going through right now. No, it'll be all right. I think I, I call it know. all this and kind of gesture around a little bit. <laughs> everything that's happening, <laughs> you know, with everything that's happening and all. Everything that's happening. Everything that's happened to me. Where As the- I like to call it the New Tazewell flu. <laughs> yeah, it's not. You guys didn't do it. Yeah, we didn't really do it. Either. Um, 
I just heard from my mom that that somebody in Tazewell bought a shirt from her. Yes, I heard uh, Bri- Brian Odell. Um, I guess it's we your old friend. My old friend. Actually, I don't know him. I know his sister. I went to school with his sister. Not his sister. Oh my gosh, not his sister. Like his cousin. I've already had this discussion with your mom. Your mom messaged. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> you said you were going to have some slurs. <laughs> his Tazewell um, cousin. Yeah, um, they were his distant cousin, his distant. I think they're not. I I don't know him. I don't know him. I know his distant cousin. Um, um, what do you mean by bought a shirt? Is that a metaphor? No. Your mom said a fishing shirt. She sold a fishing shirt on eBay to someone from Tazewell. Uh, oh, okay. Um, a, a fishing shirt? No, why not? You know, the kind with the flaps in the back, like... Uh... There's like two kinds of like over 50 divorced dads, like the one that wear Under Armour everywhere and the ones who wear the fishing shirts. Yeah. Performance fishing gear shirts. Yeah. And oh, like okay. the guys who wear Under Yeah. Or then you have the tap out guys. Those are the guys who wear tap out shirts who uh, are morbidly obese and wear tap out shirts. Yeah. Because they're just tapping out on caring about life anymore. Because they're bad for the sport. That's why they wear them. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, is this where I read from the headlines? Um, Yeah. Oh, Oh. another record day in Texas. (laughs) So I'm looking at fishing shirts online to see what that means, and I see a bunch of pictures, and I still don't know what a fishing shirt is. So. It's got like the breathable flap in the back. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> really? No, I had a breathable flap. Like it's got like a mesh flap on the back of the shirt, like so that like air comes into your shirt, and then it'll have like lots oh, of big pockets. Okay, I mean, I get the idea, but I don't think I've ever seen one. I don't fish. I'll. Uh, I think and I, I found... don't li- live anywhere near water that you... fish can survive in. Here. You're not about that salt life. <laughs> Here, I'll I'll send you a pic. I have a, I think I found a picture of this type of shirt that. Um, oh yeah, so here. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a, That's what I, I think. That's the kind of fishing shirt that <laughs> the salt devil. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't go near salt water either. Well, yeah, you shouldn't. And um, <laughs> I found something. This is not a fishing shirt, but this is even better. <laughs> what I I, these things are very slow loading. Oh, no. <laughs> but the fact that it comes from kissmyrebelass.com gives me an idea. <laughs> what I can expect uh, when and if it ever loads. It has a rebel flag on top of the Capitol building and says, I have a dream. <laughs> and oh then it has um, the original Homeland Security is Robert E. Lee, Jefferson Davis, <laughs> Nathan Bedford Forrest, and Stonewall Jackson. It's like tactic- tactical military gear. <laughs> Holding like AR 15s. <laughs> Jefferson Davis has like a what are the like what are like the scarves that all like the military guys wear now? He's yeah. like one of those scarves, and he's got like a walkie-talkie, and he's got a pistol strapped across his <laughs> chest with a rebel flag, and then he's got some kind of like skirt on. 
Yeah. People that know Jefferson Davis like lived, it, it was in debt and lived in like a, 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 like a widow's mansion in the Garden District in New Orleans. Like he wasn't running around with a bulletproof vest and an M6. Well, I mean, he was in debt because he spent all that money on uh, his tactical tac- here on his tier one operator being a tier one <laughs> operator. Well, I mean, well, I can't lie. Nathan Bedford Forrest was a tier one operator, <laughs> like in every every meaning of the word. Like he's. <laughs> Uh, if you think that reflects well on him or tier one operators, I don't know. Uh, Stonewall Jackson got blown got blown up by his own troops trying to walk back into camp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shot by the Homeland Security. Yeah. And Robert E. Lee was a, um, by all accounts, a bad general and a uh, uh, a feat gentleman. So well, I think a bad person more than a bad general. Although, you know, uh, so I'm probably not the expert, but a lot of contemporary military historians say he was far overrated as a general. Well, overrated, yeah, definitely, because people kind of think he hung the moon. And uh, by a lot of accounts, you could say Grant was a bad general because he just pounded away until he won no matter what it cost. But that's what it took to win. Well, that's how the Russians won World War II. Just, (laughs) I mean, eventually the other side is going to run out of supplies and people yeah just and never willing and willing uh, uh people yeah this this website's a treasure it's a real treasure here chad uh they have <laughs> other southern <laughs> rebel t-shirts and southern t-shirts these are two different things i guess what are the southern t-shirts going to be all about uh badass southern boy with a, a, a monster truck just tearing through stuff yeah. with a rebel flag the truck is a rebel flag and is also flying a rebel flag <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, this one says, not only am I perfect, I'm a Southerner too, which would make me think that being a Southerner is something other than being perfect. Yeah. It's, be so it's like things. a sort of Venn diagram sort of shirt. Uh, they didn't get that far. It's a yeah. rebel flag diagram. They didn't make it that far in math class. Um, and then there's, <laughs> there's one that's an airbrush of a, a woman at the beach with a cannon. She's at the beach, or she's like on Lookout Mountain with a cannon, wearing a teaback bikini and a rebel flag that says, "The South will rise again at the crack of dawn." Is that and that's Dawn who's standing? I guess by the that's cannon. Dawn's crack. Um, <laughs> Have you seen? I see this. Uh, it's a picture. Uh, there's one I see that uh, it says Confederate States, um, and then there's a picture, and underneath the picture is One Nation Under God. And but the picture in the middle is a picture. It's a Confederate flag on one, and a, the Christian flag crossed, and they're crossed together. And there's like it's over a map of Texas, and it looks like the South, but it's hard to see because there's a picture of Jesus in the middle. Um, the hmm. <laughs> there's a, I was going to stop. There's a few more. There's one with a <laughs> race car completely covered in rebel flags that says. A race without a buzz is a race that never was. <laughs> um, um, and then there's one that has <laughs> Southern Beaver Patrol, official inspector number 69. <laughs> Wait, 69? Yeah, that means and there were 68, one, 68 before him. Yeah. Um, you got hired late. There's also uh, a four wheeler jumping off the side of the shirt that says "Dirty White Boys Playing Hard in the Yard." <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
There's a and Rebel there's... Snuff with a snuff can that says Rebel Snuff. And <laughs> underneath it says, give it a spit. Pretty straightforward. Um, then there's, of course, the favorite, my favorite, uh, American Pride with the Southern Stride. It is the crossed American flag and the Rebel flag, which is, again, absolute nonsense. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh. They've managed to spell bread correctly on all of these southern bread ones. They haven't had a B-R-E-A-D yet. I think I've told you that one. I've told you about that one, right? About the guy in high school with the southern bread tattoo that was spelled B-R-E-A-D. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's Me actually... and my friend Scott, we thought it was the greatest thing ever. Like, we wanted to either get, like, clothes made with that on it or actual tattoos ourselves, but we thought that no one would get, like, the joke, the joke that it was... Southern bread, B R E A D, like um, um, bunny or Marita, or uh, there's a lot of Southern breads. <laughs> Grandma's biscuits, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wish biscuits. Oh man, these are great. Rebel born, rebel bred. When I die, I'll be rebel dead. But then it says loyal to none. Rebel born, rebel bred. When I die, I'll be rebel dead. And then above it is a skull with a rebel flag around its head that says loyal to none. Uh, <laughs> well, I here, don't believe you. I don't believe your commitment. Here's one that does it. Yeah. It says whoop ass. It's whoop ass brand Confederate flag. And it says Lee surrendered. I didn't. And <laughs> okay. sorry, I'll quit. <laughs> Can't quit this. Well, I was thinking about how when I was a kid, I never heard it called the Confederate flag. We always called it the rebel flag. Rebel flag. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that sort of, for some of us, at least as a kid, it sort of depoliticized it in a way for me. Um, and I think that this is a way of trying to have it both ways. Um, because it's saying rebel a lot, but then also uh, pledging absolute fealty to an ideology that involves apparently crossed pistols, southern justice, don't tread on me. Drinking every day. Long, this was a, I, some do rag that's made out of such um, tough material that long after the flesh has fallen away from the body, <laughs> it's still wrapped around the skull. Well, it's tactical. It's a Kevlar do rag. Yeah. <laughs> tactical rebel do rag. Uh, here's one: rebels make better lovers because they have longer cannons and bigger balls. But I think that history doesn't bear that out. <laughs> My history definitely doesn't bear that out. I'm going to have to close out of that now. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Um, well, that probably is a, a good uh, segue into talking about Josh. We're going to talk about Josh today. Let's talk about Josh today. So is it is it the one-year anniversary of Josh's passing? Is that what we're talking about, Josh? It, it, just, it was just last week. Yeah. In some ways, I can't believe it's been that long. And then in some ways, it seems like way longer ago. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It seems like it, it has. Yeah. It's been such a fast year. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't seem like it's been that long. But also, yeah, it seems like it's been a long time. Well, anyway, for people who don't know, uh, a year ago, we lost uh, a critical member of Chad and I's fantasy baseball team, uh, Josh Bathy. Uh, who was, um, who was both a camper when I was his counselor 
and then uh, grew into being a <laughs> a staff member uh, briefly that we worked with, and also ended up being a friend for a while. Um, and then suddenly, very suddenly, like two years ago, I guess, uh, got a rare form of cancer and knew he didn't have that long to live and passed away from it about a year ago. And so we were, we, we, a year ago when, when he, when he passed away, it was kind <clears> of <throat> a lot going on. So we didn't really talk about it so much, but I think we all have pretty decent Josh stories, uh, to go over, to, to talk about, um, uh, if you want to proceed in that way. Yeah, that sounds like a good, a good plan because I think that, um, um, to sort of appreciate him uh, is to tell stories about him because, uh, he made stories everywhere he went that he was kind of the, <laughs> the, the star of, and also like the instigator and the hero and the villain and all at the same time. <laughs> the, the butt of the, the one who yeah. was, didn't know he was in the story at the moment as it was happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, um, I'm trying to think what's a good, so what's a good uh, Josh story to start with? Uh, well, there's the quintessential one. There's the quintessential one that, that I was there for, which is the fire story. Um, yeah. And then that one's very good. And then there's the one that I think is kind of being, it's a very short story, but it's kind of the most def, definitionally Josh story that I know, which is the stealing the beer story. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good story. Which there's yeah. not really much to to that story, except for that that Josh stole beer. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the whole story. <laughs> well, I mean, stole... I'll tell that story because sure. it, it was uh, the beginning of camp and we were moving into dorm the dorms. And sometimes there were some students who would be left over there, and there was also an RA and stuff. And I think that technically the campus was supposed to be dry. Uh, this was at Warren Wilson. And also that, um, uh, I mean, you couldn't hardly go anywhere without smelling the, the smell of weed drifting from somewhere on that campus. Or, or but, seeing it. Whiffing, yeah. or, seeing, <laughs> or seeing the person holding it and smoking it. <laughs> but it was supposed to be dry as far as alcohol, at least, uh, mostly. And, of course, we run a camp or are part of a camp for uh, young kids, so we're a uh, completely uh, dry uh, group. But when we were moving into the dorm, there was a six-pack of beer in one of the refrigerators. And Josh um, saw it there, so he helped himself to one and tossed it back pretty quick. And uh, was probably thinking about whether or not he was going to go get another one when the RA walked in and opened the refrigerator and said, hey, man, somebody took some of my beer. And Josh said, oh, man, that sucks. You got beer? And he says, yeah, you want one? <laughs> and uh, uh, Josh says, sure. So he tosses him a beer and he sits and uh, um, I think maybe even finished off the six pack with the... Uh, <laughs> With the RA, uh, uh, sort of um, commiserating with him about who might have stolen his beer. Uh, <laughs> well, I, think I, I think there's a little bit different. Uh, also, part of the story that Chad and I experienced was I think he took some of the beer and was also giving it away because I think he offered me a beer later that was from the <laughs> RA six pack that the RA had shared with him. Nice. Yeah, I think nice. that maybe the RA might have told him he could help yeah. himself. Uh, so he, <laughs> that was very Josh. He and did then the fire story, uh, one of you guys by, get, the by trying story. to give it away to us. Um, 
I yeah, so. I mean, that's always why it was the, the Josh Ray to me, because he stole the beer, but in stealing the beer, or borrowing the beer, he also tried to give it away to everybody else. <laughs> it's just... Um, in the fire story, so it's one of those... So here, in a general sense, I have a question for you. Do you often find that people will retell a story... Well, retell a story, and then um, it, it's completely... The details have been completely changed in the retelling of it, but since you were the person who witnessed it, you don't want to stand there and jump up and down and say, that's not how it happened, because then it sounds like you're inserting yourself in the story. Does that make sense? Yeah. The fire story is kind of one of those for me, because I was... I was present for it and then it's kind of become a legend over the years and i often have to correct the legend that i don't uh i don't want to have to keep saying but i was there for it but i, so I was I, I was i was i was in the middle of the fire as it happened i was singed by the fire so i'll, I'll there's there's many this is a big setup for this this story so after josh was a camper at camp and he was always a very large gregarious energetic up for anything kind of camper, um, for better or for worse. Uh, and as a staff member, he was kind of the same, but I was always very much on his side as a staff member, because as I've, I've said a bunch, he was always very, very helpful to me. He was always the person who you didn't have to ask to go move furniture or to make sure stuff was where it needed to be. He'd just do it. He didn't ever mind that kind of work, right? The kind of work that a lot of us that work at summer camps aren't into doing. He just, he would just do out of course. It didn't bother him. Um, so, we had him, I think, like teaching like uh, the PE class that I used to cover and some stuff like that that was kind of um, stuff maybe we didn't want to, other people didn't want to do, physically intensive kind of stuff. And I had a class that year, which should have been a lot better, should have been a lot better than it was, but it was a hobo class. Hobos were kind of in vogue at the time. We're going to do it. And we we had a lot of different activities we did in class like we learned some like kind of campfire songs with a guitar some hobo songs we made like bendles sticks we made um the hobo coffee i remember doing that the kids weren't that impressed with hobo coffee uh we, we just did kind of things like that and, and you know as a teacher you kind of think especially for a camp classes sometimes you try to read the mood and if class is kind of not really into it you try to find some other activities so one thing i had done was build a hobo encampment in the woods behind the dorms, which wasn't really an encampment at all, but like it strung up some like tarp and a tree and made a fake campfire. This is the important detail. It was not ever a real campfire. It was completely fake. And it was just so in case we had like a spare 30 or 20 or 30 minutes at the end of class, I could say, hey, let's go out to the campfire and we could like sing some songs or something. It was a way to kind of end class and spend some time ending class. Um, so uh, that's one that's one important detail to the story. This hobo encampment existed for that reason behind the dorm. Okay, the second aspect of this is every year at camp we have an activity where we have a, a zombie hunt or an alien hunt, some kind of uh, kind of camp wide activity where the kids get scared uh, and run around and kind of look for stuff. It can be like a scavenger hunt or like kind of like capture the flag kind of thing, but with a kind of scary theme to it. And I think maybe it was Josh's first or second year at staff and people who are just starting out, out are really enthusiastic often about participating in this, which has been fun. So I, I'm trying, I think Josh said to me beforehand that he wanted to do something with the fire, but he wasn't really explicit about what it was. I think he was kind of going to be back there in, in the hobo camp. He was going to be back there by the fire. If I'm remembering correctly. Uh, so, so I'm leading a group of fairly young kids and we're, I'm like, well, let's go back there. Let's see what's at the uh, hobo camp by the fire. And we're getting back there 
we're, we're getting back towards it. And I kind of know Josh is going to be back there. So I'm letting all the kids go first and I'm kind of behind them. And as the kids are approaching where the fire is and it's dark, it's a little bit scary, it's quiet. You see this large kind of dark shape rise up, uh, a dark, uh, large, lumpy shape rise up. And all of a sudden, this fire just explodes. And it's like when the fire is like really hot, it's like hot fire. And the kid directly in front of me kind of just levitates up in the air and turns around backwards screaming. And it's like trying to fly past me, <laughs> just kind of like just, just kind of treading dirt like he's not making any space. <laughs> and what Josh has, had done was get multiple kind of cans of like, you know, the stuff you put in like a lighter, like the, just like lighter fluid. He's got like lighter fluid. He's like dump lighter fluid all over this fake fire and then just like threw a match into it when the kids got out there. And so instead of there being kind of a slow burning fire, there's just an explosion <laughs> and it explodes. It like goes up as a fire. And when it does, it lights up like Josh, who like, I don't know what he has on, but it's just it's like a big dark space out there. And the kids, like I just lose all my, they just book it out of the woods. They're just tearing out of there. Like not even on the trail, like through bushes and everything. Whoa, they're out. Uh, and then I'm kind of in one of those, you know, it's a successful zombie hunt, but I'm like horrified and also like uh, kind of cackling hysterically at the same time. <laughs> like it was, it was completely, uh, it was about as out of control as we can still get uh, and be doing it. But, you know, of course, as you know, after this, there was a lot of fallout because <laughs> I guess I'm going to say this now that we've moved. The, the campus representative went back there at some point and said, well, we know you guys were having a campfire. <laughs> you, know, you guys had campfires back here. There was, like a, there was an encampment behind the dorm, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which there never was. There was like a piece of tarp over a branch and like we had put a bunch of rocks around in a circle. It's just that Josh decided to dump lighter fluid on it and set it off in the middle of the zombie hunt. But that story has now become legendary uh, at camp, and I've heard, um, you know, at least 10 different versions of it. But that's that's how I remember it. I wish I could remember the kid's name who was taken off run, and he was, I think he was one of, like, the uh, Stone Mountain um, kids. Oh, okay. but yeah, he just, it was hilarious. He was out of there. So that's my, my Josh story. <laughs> I, uh, um... I have a, a another sort of short one for uh, it was at the end. And he called me quite a bit when he was in the hospital and when he was um, feeling bad and just to, to he talked to me when he was really pissed off about dying and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember him calling me once. And talking about uh, friends and relatives who would come and pray with him. Mm -hmm. And about how annoying he found that because he didn't believe in that stuff and all that. But that he he let them do it because he knew it made them feel better. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's, the, that's part of the Josh that I love so much was that he never, he almost never had a filter about what he said. But when he knew that he was going to hurt somebody's feelings, even in a situation where he was the person who was going through a terminal illness, he was the person who was uh, trying to figure out what it all meant and trying to make some sense out of it all. He was willing to just sort of go along and say, um, all right, then let's pray. They all wanted to get in a circle 
and then he'd call and complain to me about it some. But he never he never considered not letting it happen. I thought that was very sweet of him. Right. Yeah, I should say um, my other. I had I had like a. I don't say I, I had a good relationship with Josh, but we were antagonistic with each other at times. Uh, and our main kind of point of tension was back when he was in high school. And I think this was in your room at camp, David. He um, he said to me, or I think he said to us that like he knew he was going to get off track in terms of like trying to go to college and stuff. And that he wanted me to like scold him uh, if he were to be off track. Right. Uh, and that I was supposed to like yell at him and make him tell him to go um, to school. And, <clears throat> you know, this would play out over, over years where he kept not going to college and he could have at some point through his mom's family gotten in-state tuition at university of Florida uh, and I told him like, absolutely, or gotten in there for free, I think. And I said, absolutely. Just do it, Josh, just go. And he said, oh, you know, I can't, man. I just, I bleed Tennessee orange. I bleed volunteer orange. I can't do it. I'm like Josh, that's the <laughs> stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. You can't <laughs> accept free state college because you love the Vols so much. Um, and, and then, you know, I kind of kept on him about that over the years. And the only time he's ever really gotten mad at me outside of just like fun stuff was because I kind of, I, I kind of took that role of scolding him about this stuff. And then he kind of went the route of not going to school and working in restaurants and then working at uh, car stereos, I think. And I think doing fairly well for himself um, to at one point when I was in, I was in grad school and he was working at the stereo place. I said, all right, Josh, well, time to go back to college. And he, uh, he asked to compare paychecks. <laughs> 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 so I was like, okay, I'll stop. Sorry, never mind. And well, what, yeah, what made us think about this uh, and make us realize the amount of time that had gone by is that his sister posted uh, something online the other day for all of, all of his friends who she was in contact to read um, uh, from the uh, what's it from um, the Journal of Clinical Oncology. Yep. Uh, which, which is a, a peer-reviewed academic article. Very nice. All right. Yep. Um, hey, Ch Chad, do you mind talking yes. about it? You read that one, didn't you? The article, yeah. So the um, the the article was Are you it, it was kind of a um, sort of an anecdotal anecdotal article, and and it was from his, I believe it's um, his his part of his oncology team. Uh, when he was kind of in the, this was very, near the very end. And um, what he wanted to do, like one of the things he wanted to, like he wanted to go to Vegas uh, was one of his, uh, like kind of, he wanted, I know like he wanted to go see the NCAA, like he wanted to see the Vols play in the final four, which they had that year, they had a pretty good chance, but they didn't make it. And so the backup was to go to Vegas. But by the time the Vegas trip would have come around, uh, he was too sick. He was too sick to make the trip. And, and it just kind of talks about kind of, it talks a little bit about that and talking to him about how that they thought it was a bad idea. And then he came up with a compromise of going to Cherokee, uh, North Carolina. I don't know if it says Cherokee, but Cher it was Cherokee, North Carolina, where there's a casino, uh, and it was him and his family and some friends and just, um, you know, talking about, uh, 
you know, she was really, wor- you know, it was very, wor- I mean, it was kind of dangerous. You know, basically he was on a lot of, uh, you know, he was hooked up to a lot of uh, medicine, you know, chemotherapy and, you know, oxygen. He was on a heavy duty oxygen machine. Um, and, you know, they would have to unhook him and basically he would just be going in like a wheelchair and like an oxygen tank. Um, you know, our, you know, I think, you know, he was in Durham. He was in he was at Duke. He was at the Duke hospital. So it's like a, I think it's like a five, maybe four or five hour drive. Um, and it's through the, I mean, it's kind of out. If anyone's ever been, if you've ever been to Cherokee, it's kind of out of the way. I mean, it's way out of the way it's off the interstate and you kind of, it, it's, it's quite a trek. And, and it was just kind of, it's the story about him. Like he just said he wanted to do it. And, um, and like his doctor, you know, he was just asking about, you know, like if you put me on a ventilator, am I going to die? And, you know, he said he didn't want to be put on a ventilator and, and just kind of, and she talked about how much his team, the team liked him and, uh, and that he used, he had won fifteen $1,500 betting on basketball from his hospital bed that he was going to, on the NCAA tournament, I, I think it was to fund the trip. And he was going to use that, um, and he said not to worry about money because he had a GoFundMe page uh, to cover his expenses. And and he thought it would be, you know, like a great, you know, just, uh, you know, he wanted to go. Again, he thus he wanted to do it. And and it was just about her and kind of how Josh basically won her over. And, um, you know, he went to the casino and I think he passed away the next weekend. Um, I remember that. Like, I remember, I think he sent me a picture and you know, told me he was going, like, he told me he was, I didn't know about the buildup to it. I know he talked about it. I remember him telling me he was going and, um, and it's just about, yeah. Like, and she was just amazed that, uh, his, um, about how just, it just made her rethink, you know, kind of end of life care and about how patients, you know, need to have input in their end of life care. Um, I think my favorite part of the story was when uh, um, the last time that she saw him and she turned around and said uh, that she had one more thing to say to him and that he looked with a certain amount of dread like he was about to get lectured again, but with good nature. And uh, But she asked him if she could um, um, write about him. And he said, yes, with one condition, you have to use my real name instead of a pseudonym. And I thought that was very Josh uh, to insist that he get credit. Um, and uh, there was nothing right. they were going to do that was going to keep him there. And I had talked to him a little bit before that, like the day before he left, I guess. And yeah, he didn't ever indicate to me for a second. I didn't even know that there was any question about him going because he just said, I'm going. He didn't say they've told me not to or anything like that. Um, yeah. It- so one thing about that, and I don't, I, you know, kind of want to stay away from being like, uh, uh, sad about this and stuff, but like, uh, one thing that was really amazing to me, I'd known Josh since he was young. Right. And, uh, I, I would not have predicted for him to be as kind of, uh, well, maybe I would have, but just as straightforward and strong as he was about what he knew what was going to happen to him. Right. He knew this is a really bad, as soon as I found, you know, when I first started talking to him about it, he knew how bad it was. Like it was not a cancer that was going to get better. Right. And he knew it was going to go faster than 
anyone wanted it to. But he, every time I would contact him and talk to him, he would be completely willing to talk about it. And I didn't really, you know, like push, you know, uh, how does it feel to know how long's left or anything like that? But he would be really straight. Like I would say, how are you doing? He's like, I'm not doing well today on this. Or like, what does it look like? Well, it doesn't look good. And um, he was just so straightforward about what was happening to him. that It, it was, uh, um, you know, I don't want to say that I wouldn't have predicted that, but it was, it was uh, kind of astonishing to me how, how well he handled something that was, you know, just awful in all respects. Yeah. Well, and he also, um, uh, from the beginning, was not going to come up with an imaginary narrative and stick with it until he was dead, because he was afraid he would miss stuff, that he wouldn't have the experience if he was pretending everything was going to be okay when science and doctors and everyone's experience and knowledge about this disease told him that wasn't how it was going to be. And... uh, yeah, I have to say that I had a lot of admiration for that. And also uh, just, you know, I think however you deal with your illnesses is just fine. Whatever works for you, whatever gets you through it, whatever um, gives you the best quality of life you can have. And for him, the truth was the best quality of life. Um, and so, yeah, I, I had absolute respect for that. I thought it was uh, a great sign of his character. Um, yeah, yes, and kind of, kind of on that. I guess it relates in some way. We, I would be remiss if we didn't also mention that uh, Josh really cared a lot about politics um, and kind of uh, democratic politics, and that even living in Hickory, North Carolina, which wasn't the place where you would um, be wildly popular for being really into democratic party politics. Uh, that was another thing that he also, um, never kind of gave any leeway on. He was never kind of, um, iffy about those things. And so very much stood up for himself and, and what he believed, uh, and yeah, in he has, I mean, he has all the fa- I mean, he has all the same type of family members that I have, uh, that make me not want to talk about politics on Facebook, but he was always, <laughs> um, yeah, he was always just like, yeah, I did not. He was like, yeah, I don't care. And they're like, we're going to pray for you, Josh. Like, we're going to pray. Yeah. Like, um, Yeah, I just realized it's been it's been like over a year since I've had an argument with Josh's grandpa on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before um, you realized it was his grandpa? <laughs> you know, I think at some point I realized it was his grandpa, and I felt a little bit worse about maybe yelling at him. But Josh still yelled at him on Facebook. <laughs> 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 I think I probably did. Um, so there, yeah, there's that. And one of my favorites is Josh. You know, when he's working on like TGI Fridays or something, John Edwards came in, <laughs> <laughs> and so he like got John Edwards' picture with him, like eating at TGI TGI Fridays and the Hickory, or something <laughs> like that. He's so excited about it. Um, and then the other thing was uh, we kind of touched on it, but Josh also really loved um, sports. So like I would we would talk about sports all the time, and he actually started the. Uh, fantasy baseball league that chad is now commissioner of <laughs> that i mean, that yeah. is the kind of strange strangest grouping of of uh people to get in a fantasy baseball league it's right. like uh me chad josh josh's dad who's a school teacher josh's dad's like friend who's also a school teacher um my friend who's a car dealer yeah tony tony Butra- yeah tony, tony b tony Butra- <laughs> uh jessica's husband um <laughs> that's right my brother-in-law oh no my brother-in-law resigned i think because we had too many didn't have enough rules or had too many rules. yeah there were i don't think there were two it was just yeah 
Like he couldn't. The wrong rules. Wrong rules. Yeah, we had the wrong <laughs> rules. <laughs> we had uh, Matthew. Matthew Perkins is in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Matthew, one of Matthew Perkins' friends. Uh, well, and that that is something. So, like, he started the league, and then he took a year off. And so, in the year off, was when I kind of I kept the I kept the the team. I kept the league going. And before, like, before the year, before before when Josh was running, it was mostly Josh's friends. And, you know, it would kind of, we kind of started to take it over, but then he took a break and then it became sort of this weird conglomeration of people from all over the world. And then Josh came back and I remember like in our, like his first, like as soon as he joined, like the day after the draft, he posted like a video in the, in our private Facebook group. And I think he he didn't have a shirt on. It was like one of those videos where he was like holding (laughs) the camera and and he was just talking about, I'm here, I'm ready to win. I'm ready to win this league. I'm going to take y'all to school. And it's like, I'm so proud. I'm so excited to be part of this league. But I'm going to take you all to town. I just want you to know I'm going to take you all to town. Um, <laughs> I don't think he ever won the league, by the way. No, I don't think so. No. Uh, well, that's a good segue into the story I wasn't sure I was going to tell or not. My, one of my other favorite Josh stories, and I have a photograph of the exact moment that it happened, uh, was when we were having Food Olympics at camp. And this was when, this is the age when Ryan Dalton worked there and sports camper, whose name I cannot remember, but was a sports camper uh, that we had were there. And uh, Ryan uh, was a very competitive high school swimmer who kept in shape through college and so was kind of a, a muscly lad, swimmer, swimmer-looking guy, beautiful, long, heavy metal hair. And then sports camper, I can't remember what sport he played, but he was like a high school student, looked very much like an athlete, like uh, very muscular young guy as well. And Josh, who, who Josh was, you know, played a lot of sports, wrestled all that, but was a, a big guy, a big guy. Right. And so, uh, Ryan Dalton and sports camper t- decide they're going to take their shirts off for this event. And Josh, without even like half a second pause, like also just rips his shirt off. And so I've got a picture of like the three of them lined up, like eating, eating the King's watermelon, um, just shirtless in the hallway. Anyway. <clears throat> Not a moment's hesitation. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to think of other. Like I mean, there's a bunch of Josh stories. And most of them are just normal stuff. Like the great thing about Josh for me is like when we got to, whenever we get to camp, like he would, he would be the guy who would like go find the couch that could be uh, pilfered for the extent of time we were at camp, and like um, instead of just like taking off to his room, he would like check with me and like uh, we set up like a couch in my room and like stack the beds and stuff, and so. Um, he never had to be like on my own doing that stuff. This kind of stuff Josh would uh, instigate. Yeah, and he would always yeah be part of like the, the like the food Olympics or like there was like the root beer drinking contest like where he wore like oh, a Lord. like a crown. And I think he took his shirt off for that too. <laughs> even though, <laughs> um, Why not? And I think that was during uh, like I want to say like during that I have a memory of him when the other team was like drinking their root beer, he was like yelling that they weren't, they weren't no Stefan Marbury. There's no Stefan Marbury. <laughs> um, I think uh, I might have pictures of that too. I think so. Yeah, I think I, was it, it me and him and DLB doing it? Um, I don't remember who, I think DLB might, it might've been DLB and I don't know who else. I know DLB. I think DLB was part of it, but I don't know who else. Um, yeah. And it, it was like like boys dorm versus girls dorm type stuff because I think yeah, it was like the yeah, girls yeah. some of the girls counselors and 
Yeah. Yeah. I think I have a picture of that. I think I was at it. It might be the fancy dress one. Oh, yeah. Everybody dressed up. Everybody wore a costume. And mm-hmm. it was nasty. Yeah. It was. It's always nasty. Well, and I think also, too, Josh got, he drank too much root beer and like he threw up, and, but he was like, ready, yeah, was so I'm ready to go. Like, uh, There's a, a lot of throwing up involved. There was a lot of throwing up, if I remember correctly. And yeah, I think he was very enthusiastically chugging root beer and throwing up like in equal parts. <laughs> um, uh, well, anyway, uh, that, that, that was Josh. Um, it's it's weird without him around. I don't know. We still haven't figured out what we're doing for the fantasy baseball league. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, the baseball season has been postponed. Um, <laughs> so we don't we don't have to think about it. We don't have to yeah, it, it was yeah, yeah. We don't. Are we not going to do Korean fantasy baseball? I don't know. I guess we gotta we get everybody together. We're gonna have to have a draft. We gotta have the draft like right now. Like we gotta have the draft right after this. Um, really? Yeah, I think the opening day is like in a couple hours. Oh, in Korea, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I guess we never, I mean, when I was the commissioner, I mean, when I was commissioner, we often would have the draft like well into the season. So um. <laughs> <laughs> why not? Yeah. Oh man, this, maybe this will, uh, maybe this will segue us to something uh, different here, but I, uh, you know, we, we were sitting out to eat dinner over the weekend and Musashi said like, Oh, wouldn't it be? Cause we made tacos. Usually, Usually, like, it's a big sporting event or something, we'll make taco salad needed. So, we're making taco salad. We're like, too bad there's no sports right now. I was like, well, let's watch the 95 World Series yeah. with the Braves. The one yeah, World the Series the Braves, Braves win. So, we're watching the final game of the 95 World Series at Fulton County Stadium. And in the, like, the front row uh, seating are Jimmy Ro- and Rosalind Carter, Ted Turner and Jane Fonda, Zell Miller and Bill Murray. <laughs> 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 it was a very interesting, uh, interesting seating situation. And Bill Murray, like, actually looked young. I forgot about young-looking Bill Murray. Yeah, he was very excited. Zell Miller had like a gigantic head of hair. <laughs> I think Jimmy Carter looked exactly the same. And Jimmy Carter threw out the first pitch. Nah, yeah, I guess I would. Uh... That would be a good one to watch. I've seen that they've been playing old. Uh, yeah, that would be a good. Old world. The only yeah, I was looking forward to watch. I thought I was gonna have to find it on some streaming service, but it's just on YouTube. Okay. Oh, okay. So I can find it on YouTube. Yeah, there you go, David. Yeah, you can watch the whole. You watch every game of the 1995 World Series: Cleveland Indians versus uh, the Atlanta Braves. You can see Skinny Chipper Jones. I'm gonna watch every sporting event uh, that has happened up to this point, so that I can yeah. be um, uh, involved in all sports conversations from this point forward. You can. Yeah, you can catch. You have time to catch up. You have a lot of time now to catch up. You can watch the 1975 Rose Bowl, uh, which I think was on the other night. <laughs> was the 1982 Bengals. The nineteen, the entire 1982 Bengals season. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's funny, David. You'll be interested in this. I had forgotten that Jeff Blauser did not start in the 1995 World Series because he had a deep thigh bruise, and that Rafael Belliard played the entire. Uh, the entire series at shortstop. Uh, your your favorite and my favorite Braves player, Rafael Belliard, uh, and actually played very, very well throughout it. I'd forgotten that detail. Deep thigh bruise, you say? Deep thigh bruise. Yeah, that baseball goes really fast. Hmm. Well, I still have a lot to learn. Yeah. We had David Justice when he was still married to Halle Berry. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Taunting the Braves fans. 
Bobby Cox. Um, tech, not not the same Bobby Cox as is a member of the Texas uh, Open uh, Texas uh, Open Texas Backup Strike Force. Uh, is there Bobby, Bobby Cox? Is that there is Open a Bobby Texas. Cox? So there is a Bobby Cox uh, that's on the uh, what do they call it? Uh, reopened. I think it's the Reopen Texas Strike Force. Um, and so <laughs> the Lone Survivor Strike Force. <laughs> the Lone Survivor Strike Force. <laughs> and I was looking. So I saw the article and I read. I. I and like in the chron- like the chronicle um is not a very good uh like the online paper is not- well there's a couple version but i was in the bad version of the chronicle of the houston chronicle and so they have a lot of slideshows and the slideshow had mo- uh, all the famous people that were on the strike force and it was like bobby cox like the it was and it's a picture of braves man former braves manager <laughs> bobby cox and I was like, holy, that'd be like, a strange choice. I was like, what? Like, and so I did a Google search. I, I looked at it. I was like, well, Bobby Cox, CEO of Bobby Cox Industries, like based in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, and there's like no picture. I mean, there's no pictures of, <laughs> so of this Bobby, Bobby Cox. Cox. So, uh, but he was born in Texas. And then I kind of did some research and figured like he was actually. I ba- I had to go back and research the real Bobby Cox uh, to find out that he had it was not he was not a restaurateur uh, in tech he's not a Texas restaurateur but they still have the picture if you go to the slideshow it's still a picture of um, Braves manager Bobby Braves Cox. manager Bobby he's even wearing like a I mean you can even it's like a dugout picture he's like in the dugout so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not Bobby just years most- away from the Braves. Yeah, but, no, okay. Um, Sorry. I think Texas is going full Highlander rules uh, for uh, COVID-19. And a lot of the South is going full Highlander rules. Only one. There can be only one. Um, that's the lone survivor. That's what we're talking yeah, about. That's survivor. not a segue There's in the only one left. That's yeah. What, and I've heard Alex Jones is uh, offering to, to eat his neighbor's asses to get through this time. It's going to come down to me and Alex Jones. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> seeing who can eat each other's, uh, you know. Donkeys? Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the Texas... So, like, Greg Abbott, the plan... Like kind of like on the surface, the plan looks very responsible, um, you know, and it has like all the the big guidelines and like fourteen day guidelines and all this and this, and, you know, like all the different stuff. Uh, but then, like when he gave his big speech, he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna have lots of, you know, there's gonna be lots of testing, you know, it'll be great, and then we'll open back up every fourteen days. We'll enter a new phase, you know, as long as we meet the guidelines." You know, and then here's my, you know, here's my uh, task force and my task force is, you know, this doctor, this doctor, this doctor, and then 47 like business people. Um, And, and it's kind of like, and we'll just kind of, you know, see how it goes. And I think Texas had their biggest, uh, like the day before, the day before phase one started officially, Um, they had their highest death total like highest one day death total from covid but i don't know and we're 40 and we're still 48th in testing like we're 48th in the nation in testing so um well i mean you're doing well right like you're yeah. only you're not there's yeah yeah why so, would you want to be number one how are things going yeah, in florida why would we want to be number one that means we got a bunch of sickos and in, in florida 
I mean, who knows, right? Like, I mean, it didn't. So we have a we have a, a, a recent deep deep recent but deep history of having really bad governors in Florida since Rick Scott, um, America, the biggest fraud case in American history. Rick Scott uh, was our governor and now senator, and then we um, elected this dope Ron DeSantis, uh, who I'm I'm not even sure. I'm never sure. Like. Why do these people get elected? Who knows? But Ron DeSantis is is the governor, and it's come out this week with like they've been like all all death count numbers are messed with and political and whatever. But they've been like really suppressing the death count, and that again not testing um, that much, and then at the same time trying to open everything back up. So uh, it's bad, and I think it's going to get worse. And <laughs> anecdotally, just from talking to um, friend of the pod, my mom. Um, it sounds like a lot of people, like, because they're, people are getting the signal from the government, they're just not taking it seriously. Like, the people aren't wearing masks, they're just going to the store like normal. Uh, they're just doing everything like normal. So, uh, I think it's bad, it's going to get worse, and they've just opened the beaches back up in Florida, which, as I've tried to explain a bunch of times, because I have friends in Florida who are probably politically alright, but who are like, you know, surfers and things like that, who are like, well, they should open the beach back up. We're not going to get anybody sick being at the beach, but it's like, it's not that. It's the pressure from all the uh, short-term rental Airbnbs and the people with second homes are going to say, oh, the beach is open. We can go stay at the beach. And then that means use the grocery stores, have to go to the hospital, all that stuff that happens as well. So I I think it's going to be uh, not good. Um, and my kind of, uh, kind of acquaintance, um, is it Daniel Ulfelder? I'm never sure how to pronounce his last name. The lawyer who's famous for, for, uh, bumping heads with Mike Huckabee over and over again, uh, this last weekend decided to dress as the Grim Reaper and visit all the beaches locally in Florida. And so made the news a bunch walking around the beach. as the Grim Reaper this weekend. Yeah. Um, well, it's one of those I, things like the, yeah, the beach in and of itself isn't dangerous to be like, you can be at the beach and be safe, but it's just like, there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to the beach, which is like, right. And so I went to the store this weekend and it seemed like there were so many more people like just like in the store that did not have like, you know, were just kind of like, in, you know, didn't have masks, like didn't have gloves. And I noticed there are a lot more people out and about like, you know, I, I drive by a big park to go by. Um, uh, I, I drive by a big park and the, the park was full. Uh, so I don't know. And I know I saw a report. There are a lot of people at the beach um, this weekend in Galveston. So. I will say what I always say. Galveston has a beach. Texas yeah. has beaches. Yeah. So that's, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I don't know. We'll see if we make it. To, maybe we won't make, maybe, I don't know. I think the big test for Texas will be like when we, we supposedly, I think when it's been 14 days, like the 14 days from phase one, which I think would be like the 15th, which I don't think we, we've already met. Like we're not going to, I mean, I don't think we've already, we've not been like 14 days with all the numbers down. So it'll be a quite like that'll be the like if they actually oh well yeah let's we did good enough like good enough let's go to phase two which I think is like when they're actually people are they're going to let people back in stores and um, um yeah I yeah, I don't know like that's what I heard from Florida as well is that people are just uh, going to the stores going to wherever doing whatever so we'll see we'll see <clears throat> we'll see it'll be all right. All right. Yeah, everything will be fine, I'm sure. It'll be fine. Um, okay, well, I guess that wraps it for us up for us today. I will see you guys next time. All right, see you next time. Next week? 
next week, whenever. Next week.